So we've been in the midst of a series, this is part four, titled Ready, Set, Go. And we've been talking about different things, and we know as you've walked in, you see the big old go that's out in the lobby. If you haven't seen it, you'll see it on your way out now that I drew your attention to it. But this is the year to go. We felt from God that year 2020, the word for 3W Church was go. And when you talk about going and going and to do what God wants you to do, you first have to get ready. You have to be prepared to be able to walk into his call. And today I want to talk about somebody that all of you have heard about at one point in time or another, and it's Moses. Anybody here heard about Moses before? I mean, even people who are not believers have heard about Moses, the first Cuban rafter out in the Nile River, right? Like, if you know the story of Moses, he, he, was, he was put in a little basket laid with pitch and a covering put in the Nile River, and, 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 and he was chosen by God to be used to set the captives free. The people who were captive in, in Egypt, the Israelites, had been slaves for 400 years. And God used Moses, and that's what we remember him, right? We remember him as the person who, who God used to bring the Ten Commandments. If you ever saw the old Charles Heston movie where he comes out with a big old staff and, and the big, you know, uh, uh, tablets or whatnot, we all have heard of Moses. And like Moses, God has a plan, like in Moses, in every single one of us. But you know that Moses didn't totally walk into God's plan when God called him? Like us? Watch, I'm going to show it to you. Go to Gen uh, Exodus chapter 3 is where we're going to start this morning. Exodus chapter 3. And we're going to start reading in verse number 1 of Exodus chapter 3. When you've got it, you can say amen. So we read this passage a few weeks ago where it talked about being ready in the position to hear from God. So it says, in Mos in, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. And that's what we talked about last time we mentioned Moses, how you have to be willing, able, ready to turn to the side to be able to hear from God, right? In verse number four, it says, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, here I am. Then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, and to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have have also seen the oppression of which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. God told Moses, it's time for you to go. I'm sending you to Egypt. 
And then Moses started to do what all of us do when God calls us, and it's put up excuses. I don't know if this is, you know, maybe, maybe not you. I know me. I, I've put excuses to God before. And this is one of the most common excuses that we put. The first one that Moses said. Look what Moses said, right? Like, I, I want you to get this for a second. Moses saw a bush that was on fire not being consumed. He went to look at it. God called him and spoke to him out of a burning bush. This is God directly calling Moses. And this is what Moses says to him, verse number 11 of chapter 3 of Exodus. But Moses said to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? The first excuse that people give God all the time is that, but who am I? Like, I'm so insignificant. Who am I? What can I do? What, what, what is it that I'm going to be able to do? I, I, I'm just this, this guy that is out here. I'm actually wanted in Egypt. God, you want to use me? Like, who am I? And that excuse of who am I is rooted in insecurities. That excuse of who am I is rooted in fears. Moses was afraid of going back to Pharaoh and and, into Egypt to tell them what God had said. Moses was insecure in himself and saying, who am I? And in the way that we feel that so many times, God calls us to do something and we're like, but me? Like, like, who, what, how? And God answered him. And and this is what I'm saying. We're going to put show you the excuses Moses puts, but look at God's response. Moses says, who am I? And then God says in verse number 12, I will certainly be with you and this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. In other words, Moses, it's not about you. It's about me. I'm with you. And if I'm with you, you'll be able to fulfill the call. You'll be able to achieve that which you have. And so if that's you today, perhaps like Moses, like myself, at times you're asking God when he calls you, but who am I? God says, I am with you. He says in Peter that you are a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, a special people. And God has equipped you and called you to walk into his call. So that excuse didn't work, right? I mean... God looked at him and said, all right, give me another one. And that's what Moses did, right? He, he, God called out the first excuse. And then in the second one, he says to Moses in verse 13, all right, God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say then? This is the excuse of, but what do I say? Like, we've all felt the inkling from God because it's from God to go tell somebody about Jesus or pray for somebody or do it, right? That never comes from Satan. If when you feel the inkling to talk to somebody about Jesus, you say, oh, that, that must not be God. No, you're wrong. It's God. Satan will never urge you to tell somebody that Jesus saves. That's one less person he's going to have in hell. So Moses, he's like, all right, so what do you want me to say? And that's what we do all the time. God puts something in our heart, but, but, but God, what, what do I say? Who do I say sent me? When they ask me, what do you want to respond? And God looks at him and he says, all right, that's great. Your second excuse was cute, but, but this is what I say. Verse number 14, and God said to Moses, I am who I am. 
And he said, thus shall you say to the children of Israel, I am has sent you. If you notice in your Bible, when you read it, everything is in capital. I, I just can, I can sense God's frustration starting to come towards Moses. Moses, go to Pharaoh. Who, me? Yeah, who stole the cookie from the cookie jar? Who, me? That's what Moses, who, me? You want me to go? Nah, nah. So then God says, go, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. All right, but what do you want me to say? Who should I say sent me? I am who I am. And if you read in the New Testament, they asked Jesus who he was, and he said, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. Right? So, so he tells to him, you can. It's me. Again, Moses, it's not about you. And he continues to tell Moses, right, because God's having this conversation. Verse number 15, moreover, God said to Moses, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me, saying, I have surely visited you and seen what is done to you in Egypt, and I have said, I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, Jebusites, to the land flowing with milk and honey. And then God reminds him, Then they will heed your voice. And you shall come, you and the elders of Israel to the king of Egypt, and you shall say to him, the Lord God of the Hebrews has met with us, and now please let us go three days journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. So we see the first excuse that Moses puts up is, who am I? I'm insignificant. I can't do this. The second excuse he puts up is, what am I supposed to say? And then if you go to verse number one of chapter four, we find his third excuse. When excuse one failed and excuse two failed, he ends in verse number three. Then Moses answered and said, but suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. In other words, God, what if they don't believe me? What if they reject me? What if they sideline me? What if they put me to the side? These are common excuses that we put as to why not to tell people about Jesus. What if they reject me? What if I go to them and ask, do you have something you want me to pray about? And they say no. And it's stuff that we encounter. I gave an example in the first service. I think I've mentioned it before. Um, especially right now, we, we prepared the homeless care packages for you guys to take after service to bless homeless throughout our city. But I, I've had several experiences with homeless uh, men or, or, or women where I've tried to give them something and they've rejected it. I don't know if that's ever happened to anybody before. I had one guy one time, I, 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 I had a, a whole pie of pizza. And I put down the window and I said, hey, look, you know, I don't got money, but I'll give you a pizza. I'll go pick up another one, you know, like here. here. And they're like, oh, I, I can't eat that. Okay. God bless you. At one time, I, I, I was at a, at a traffic light and, and there was a gentleman and, you know, anything will help, whatever, the little sign. And I had a granola bar. All I had in the car with me at the moment, I don't carry cash most of the time, was a granola bar. It was actually my breakfast on the way to the meeting I was going. But I put down the window and I said, sir, I don't got this, but do you want this granola bar? And he literally went like this. I ain't got no teeth. And he showed me his mouth. 
I said, all right. The light's green. God bless you. And I drove away. So why do I mention that? Well, a quote-unquote failure will cause you to doubt and put excuses as to why not do what God's calling you to do in the first place the next time he calls. So you go and it's like, well, I'm not going to get one because what if I put down the window to try to give it to somebody and they say, no, I don't want it. What if they reject me? What if they don't believe me? Look at the questions, right? Who am I? What do I say? What if they don't believe me? See the pattern, right? So then God answers this one, and, and it's interesting because I'm, I'm going to read it all the way through. God doesn't even give Moses a chance to breathe at the end as he answers this. He gives him three things. He looks at him. We're in chapter 4, verse number 1, and God says to him in verse 2, sorry, what is that in your hand? He said, a rod. And he said, cast it on the ground. So he cast it on the ground, and it became a serpent, and Moses fled from it. Then the Lord said to Moses, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. And he reached out his hand and caught it and it became a rod in his hand that they may believe that the Lord God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Furthermore, the Lord said to him, now put your hand in your bosom. And he put his hand in his bosom and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. And he said, put your hand in your bosom again. So he put his hand in his bosom again, drew it out of the bosom and behold, it was restored like his other flesh. Then it will be, if they don't believe the, the, you nor heed the message of the first sign, then they will believe the message of the second sign after. And it shall be that if they don't believe even these two signs or listen to your voice, that you shall take water from the river and pour it on dry land, and the water which you take from the river will become blood on the dry land. Three powerful acts. Guys, like Moses is not you, man. So to prove it to them, you're going to do these things. And then when excuse one, two, and three failed, Moses looks at him and he says this. We're in chapter number four, the book of Exodus, verse number 10. Moses said, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I am of slow speech and a slow tongue. Y'all be grateful I'm not God. Because if I were God and Moses, I mean, I think I would have done it after strike three, after the third excuse, but... At least at this point, you know I would have called at least one mini lightning bolt from heaven. Just one. Boom. Don't give me no more excuses. Now you're fried. <laughs> Deep fried. God, who am I? Again, this is if I was God. Dude, you're significant enough that I spoke to you out of a bush that was burning and not being consumed. Ain't nobody else in the Bible God speaking to him through bushes that were on fire. Second excuse. What, what do you want me to say? Dude, if a burning bush is talking to you, don't you think I'm going to say it for you? Well, that didn't work either, right? Excuse two, out the window. What if they don't believe me? Papo, it's not about you. They've been slaves for 400 years. They've been praying for this. 
Do you understand that your call is an answer to the prayer that they are doing to me? Okay. I don't speak, 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 speak too good. I say it like that because they believe, based on the manuscripts, that Moses stuttered. And that's what he said. I'm not eloquent of speech. I mean, before you called me, and after the last three minutes that you've been talking to me, I still can't speak well. I mean, think that that's a whole other teaching of a second, that whole microwave mentality. God called me, and immediately I must, you know, everything must be perfect. Because you notice what he said. I wasn't eloquent before you spoke to me, neither am I now. Let that one sit for a second. So then God looks at him, and this is what he answers, and you can start seeing the irritation in God's voice. Verse 11, who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now, therefore, go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall say. And then when all his excuses fail, he does what many of us do to God. Look at verse number 12. Now, therefore, sorry, verse number 13. But he said, oh, my Lord, please send by my hand of whoever else you may send. When all excuses fail, Moses said, send someone else. I've been there. The call upon Moses, it wasn't go bring a cat off of a tree that's stuck there like Superman, right? Bring the cat down from the tree. The children of Israel have been in bondage for 400 plus years. The Pharaoh had been beating them down more and more and more. And he put all these excuses, all these pretenses, trying to make it be like, hey, you know what, I, I, I just, I, 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 but I can't. Oh, but, but I can't do this, or I'm not qualified, or I'm not equipped, or I'm not this, or I'm not the other. And when God answered every single one of them, he just simply said, send someone else. And in God's reply, we learn what it later says in the New Testament, that the calling is irrevocable. Because God knew that Moses was the one. And you're going to see in this reply now, God's anger, because it's going to say he's angry, but at the same time, his mercy and his compassion. Because look what he says. Moses, again, I'm not God. I would have lightning bolted him after excuse three. Three strikes, you're out. I like baseball. He gave him a foul tip and then a fourth one. It says in verse number 13, so the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. And he said, is not Aaron the Levite your brother? I know that he can speak well. And look, he's also coming out to meet you. When he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. Now you shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be in your mouth with his mouth, and I will teach you what you shall do. 
And so you shall, he shall be your spokesman to the people. He himself shall be as the mouth for you. You shall be to him as God. And you shall take this rod in your hand with which you shall do the signs. God looked at Moses and basically said, man, you're stubborn and all, but I still want to use you. So as you grow into this calling, I'll go ahead and send Aaron to help you out. Pastor, what do you mean as you grow into this calling? Well, if you start reading now, he goes before the children of Israel. He goes before Pharaoh. And then we get to the 10 plagues. Everybody, you've heard the plagues, right? You've seen the movies. And if you notice in the first couple of plagues, God told Moses, hey, tell Aaron to do this. And then the plague came. Tell Aaron to do this, and then the plague came. But about plague number three or four, God told Moses, you extend the rod. So somewhere in the time of transition, Moses finally walked into the fullness of his calling, and he went and spoke directly to Pharaoh, did the plagues without the need of Aaron. Aaron was still around, but he didn't need him here. Why? Because sometimes we want somebody else to be here with us to fulfill our call, but when we get out in the wilderness and God is talking to us, they'll lead the people to build a golden calf. Aaron was not called to be the one in charge. Moses was the one that could hear the voice of God. But in his fear and his insecurity, he didn't want to walk into the fullness of his calling. But as humans, we'd make those excuses. I'm 40 years old now, but I knew at eight, without a shadow of a doubt, that I was called to pastor. At eight years old. And at eight years old, I was like, who, me? I was skinny, super white, and blonde hair. The blonde hair is gone, and I ain't super skinny anymore. But the calling is still there. And sometimes as I'm studying or preparing, I'm like, uh, what do you want me to say? I mean, God, you've brought people here that had different life experiences than me. What, what do you want me to say? God, you're bringing people that have, I mean, it's different, different brackets of, of, of age and, and situation and circumstance or whatever. Like, like, who am I? It ain't about you, dummy. It's about glorifying me. What happens is we, as humans, are selfish. So we make everything about me. Did you get the four excuses? Who am I? What do I say? Right? What if they don't believe me? I can't talk very well. And to every single one of them, God was like, I'm with you. It ain't you. I'm going to tell you what to say. Dude, I made your mouth. get rid of it. It's time to go. And perhaps you've walked in this morning and you've been putting by the wayside the call of God and you're asking questions like, but who am I? Like, like really, that's what you want me to do? But God, but God how, what do you want me to say? Where do you want me to go? What? No, 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 no. Send someone else. 
And you've been trying to get God to have other people do what he specifically designed and created you to do. And I tell you, church, stop making excuses because when God calls, he promises he will never leave you. He promises to be with you. And some of you perhaps are here, and I hear this all the time, Pastor, I don't understand what it is that I'm feeling. I'm frustrated. This is going on. And I'm going to tell you, this is very simple. This will cut some of my counseling sessions down. Watch, right? When you're not walking in the fullness of God's call in your life, you'll always be frustrated. You're never going to be happy. You're never going to get to do exactly what God wants. You're never going to have enough money. You're never going to be healthy enough. You're never going to have enough children. You're never going to have this. Until you walk into what he called you to do, you're always going to going to be stuck in the desert. And he promised to be with you, to be your mouthpiece, to do miraculous things. Well, guys, there's some of you in here that should be dead, but God has spared your life miraculously to reach people that only you can reach. You're ready. You're set. Babo, get up and go. Because if he called you, he'll equip you. He chose you. Jeremiah asked him, what do you want me to do? And God said, man, before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. Timothy was afraid of his calling, so Paul wrote him in the letter, hey, stir within you the gift that was deposited by the laying on of hands, and don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. Go be an example. Throughout all of scripture, you see men and women putting up these excuses. And in today, 2020, we see it. But God says, it's time to get up and go. Don't put excuses. He promised to be with you. He promised to be with you.